As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait. New open, kind of a new show, but we are excited to be back. And we've missed you all. We've missed you all. And Marissa is moving on, apparently. Uh, hopefully you've missed us as well. This is the Can't Wait Podcast. Super excited to be podcasting with a slightly different roster now. You're used to seeing me, Tim McMaster, our producer, Marissa Dunn, and of course, formerly Connor Hughes. But now we would like to give a nice Warm welcome to Zach Rosenblatt, our new Jets reporter here at The Athletic. Oh, man. Uh, we we are uh, we're going to talk. Yeah, take a bow, I guess, first of all. Welcome, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do, so I started pumping my fist. I don't know if that yeah, was weird. That works. <laughs> Uh, we we are obviously going to talk plenty about training camp. We have breaking news as we record this one, as Dwayne Brown has signed with the Jets. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Makai Becton a lot. We'll talk about everything. Um, but as the announcements were going around that we were getting the show back together today, last night on Twitter, um, there was a lot of great encouragement. And then there was a lot of annoying, no, I won't say a lot, a little bit of annoying like criticism of enough of to notice old, it. Yeah. Enough to notice it. Right. Yeah. And so I decided that like, we're going to start with that talk because we're <laughs> not going to get right into jets talk. Cause you know what, if it was enough to annoy you, but you still listened, you weren't really annoyed. You really liked it. So we're going to start the show. Like we always have with some other stuff. Um, and we're going to, but we're going to start specifically with a little bit of the fun on the internet last night on Twitter. Marissa, you have the meme uh, shout out. Who was it that uh, Seamus Higgins uh, yes. brought us this one? Pretty great. Um, what was the actual words that came with this, Marissa? Do you have it up there? His, his um, I'm not sure, but it was basically like um, Zach is replacing um, Steve from Blue's Clues or whatever. Yeah. Steve from Blue's Clues. Yes. And then we said, I am the mail mailbox and Tim is. <laughs> Um, I just became blue, yeah. blue because that's the only other. Yeah, the only other thing <laughs> left. Yeah. So, um, I do have, right, I have but, a follow up on the on this yep. Twitter stuff. Um, so there was a couple trolls in particular that uh, maybe trolls is a mean word. Um, <laughs> that were definitely not. No, that trolls had proper. some specific requests uh, for how I should start the pod, and so I wanted to listen to them. So I texted Connor last night, and I asked him uh, a question, and he this is his response. I think 
everybody will understand what I'm talking about. I think everybody, this is what everybody came to this pod to listen to. Um, he's like, okay. So Connor said he was having a bad day, but he had a chance to break at least 90 with a, with a par on 18 par five. <laughs> he had a 305 yard drive, tracked it. One of his best shots, instead of laying up, he chose to go for it. Had 195 to middle, 200 to back, 185 to front. He played a six iron. Um, he figured if I hit it well, he's going to hit green and roll to the pin. He proceeded to hit the absolute best six iron of his life. It was going right at the pin. He was like, holy shit, I might have a tap in Eagle. Instead, it sailed 10 yards over the green, hit a tree, shot into the parking lot, drop, chip on green, two putt bogey, finish effing 90. So, <laughs> That's um, what everyone came here for. I know. So now that I got out of that way, I want to can't know. wait golf podcast. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll just do Connor golf updates uh, every week. I don't know. We'll start every show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't he's, in golf, so he's officially in the chat. There he is. <laughs> Connor gone, but not forgotten, and very yeah, cool that he, that he's tuning in and look at his photo he has stuff, on his so. thing too. He looks like he's like twelve years old on that. You see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say my favorite thing about working with Zach so far is his trolling of Connor. Like it's just seamless. It's like he's been with us this whole time. So, Jets fans, you're you're in good hands. <laughs> it is, it is out of I troll Connor, but it's out of love because we also have like a bromance at the same time. It's like a weird relationship, you know. That's like all of us <laughs> yeah. exactly. We yeah. understand. <laughs> <laughs> and it is cool that, you know, you, you did have that relationship, Connor, ahead of time, because it's yeah. almost like it makes yeah. this even a, a more seamless handoff um, as far as the Jets beat on the athletic, because I think you guys have similar senses of humor. And, and there's a lot of things where I think people are really going to enjoy your work at the at the, at the athletic because um, you bring a similarly fun, I think, brand of writing and coverage. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's what I try to do. I mean, my my intro piece, um, I tried to have fun with. And I think that because I wanted to like show people kind of my sense of humor while also I don't like love talking about myself. Um, so I did like a Q&A with myself was my idea, which is very Bo Wolfian as uh, Marissa <laughs> would agree. Um, but and that's that's kind of like my vibe. I mean, I, I, I love doing this stuff and I, lo- I try to have fun on Twitter and try not to take myself too seriously. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, Connor and I are friends because of all of that, I would say. And you guys, people are actually already asking, how do you guys know each other? Um, basically, you've been covering nearby teams, right? And have been we, in we this business were, together. We technically were coworkers briefly. Um, it was when I covered the Sixers for like a couple months for NJ.com and he was on the yeah. Jets. Mm-hmm. And then he and Dan Duggan came to the Athletic, which opened up an NFL beat for me, actually. And it's indirectly wow. why I wound up here, I would say, because I wound up on NFL beats for four years and and then wound up here. But yeah, we, we, you know, we, we became, we had a lot of mutual friends, you know, we've known each other pretty well over the years. And then I would say over the last like year, we became pretty close. Um, we're in a group message with a, a few like current and former Jets writers. It's like, and they all worked at NJ.com. So we all have a lot to, to bond over. And there's like five of us and we text each other all the time. And Connor and I are, are uh, heavy contributors to that, I would say. So that's all right. Before we get to just just a just a little more about you, I know you said you don't like to do this, but just so people understand, you said it. NJ.com. Uh, you're from the area, Jersey, right? But you went to school out in Arizona, and that's where you started your career. Yeah, I'm from South Jersey, Cherry Hill. So South Jersey, like Connor as well. Um, yeah, and then I went to Arizona, University of Arizona, for school. I stayed out there and wrote for the Arizona Daily Star for like four and a half years. I was covering Arizona basketball, football. A lot of miscellaneous stuff. I covered the rodeo once, which is a uh, very new for me. Uh, coming, from I covered the rodeo a lot in my first job. It was, in South, it was on, South it was a lot of, I actually, I enjoyed it like way more yep. than I expected. It's like they're those are like characters. You think football players are 
characters. Like those guys are like getting their teeth knocked out and, you know, breaking limbs and still going back out there and riding bulls. It's like, it was wild. Um, yeah, so I did that for four and a half years and the opportunity to cover the Sixers, uh, for NJ.com came about. So I moved back home, uh, covered them briefly. And then, yeah, like I said, the Eagles beat opened up. So I covered the Eagles for a little over two years right after they won the Super Bowl. Uh, and then moved over to the Giants where I was for the last like two and a half years. And then this opportunity came about and couldn't really pass it up. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. And the, the, it's funny. I, I always say I covered the Eagles. So I, I felt like I was prepared for any fan base because their fan base is wild. But Jets Twitter and like online Jets fans are honestly more nuts and not, not in a bad way. It's like fun because it's clear they're passionate about the team. And that's good for us. Um, yeah. The athletic, obviously. But um, like it within within. I would say five minutes of me announcing I got the job. There were multiple people who pulled up old tweets of mine where I just like made a joke about how bad the Jets were. <laughs> and they were like, this is what we're getting. I was like, all right, so this is, this is what I have to deal with. I got it. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, I mean, New York, obviously the media gets a reputation of being like tough on the teams, tough on the players. And I feel like the fan bases have the reputation of being tough on the media, right? It's yeah, like the very good the point. Yeah. It, it all feeds itself. I think yeah, it all feeds market. itself. Yeah. Jets fans yeah. are definitely like louder and angrier than Giants fans, I would say, because I guess Giants fans more recently were able to have success, I guess. So Jets fans are just desperate for something good to happen. And maybe this year it will. Who knows? <laughs> and with that, let's talk about Makai back. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we are <laughs> we are going to get to Makai, but let's get to the Jets. Uh, and we're going to start with the news of the day, which is Dwayne Brown. This has been just like the slowest moving thing over the last couple of weeks where he's been around and there's been like live tweeting of Joe Douglas being on his phone at practice and wondering if he's talking to Dwayne <laughs> Brown's agent. I mean, it's been all this stuff. And then finally, um, just today, Dwayne Brown officially joining the Jets. We're going to get into Makai Becton, but obviously this is a huge addition just in the nick of time for this Jets team as they get rid of a season where it felt so many positive vibes. And then suddenly there was like a crushing blow and now it seems like, okay, maybe this is going to save things. Yeah, you know, it's they were already talking to him before Makai Becton uh, uh, fractured his kneecap. So they clearly knew they had an issue. I think if you can criticize anything from Joe Douglas's offseason, it would be that they didn't come prepared with like a third offensive lineman. But, you know, you rectify it. You get the best offensive lineman on the market, a guy that made the Pro Bowl last year. He's 37 years old. I don't, I don't know if that was a Pro Bowl based on merit necessarily. Um, but... I mean, this is probably the best kit, best they could hope for after losing Makai a few days ago. Um, he signed a two-year deal, which I was I was surprised about initially, just because he's 37 years old. But we don't know the structure of it, and I imagine the second year won't be that hard to get out of. Probably was a spread out the cap hit, that kind of thing. I think it's 22 million over two years. But um, I don't know. It, it, I think this is just a clear sign that they want to win, like right now. Um, you don't sign a 37-year-old uh, towards the end of his career if you aren't trying to win right now because they, I mean, they have a young guy, Max Mitchell, they just drafted in the fourth round. They could have, I don't know, traded for a young guy like Andre Dillard or something like that, but they, they're going for the guy who can play right away, can help right away is arguably an upgrade over Makai Becton um, just based on, you know, reliability. He hasn't missed a game in two years. So, um, I mean, Jets fans should be happy about this. I, I don't know. I don't think they should just expect a pro bowl player necessarily, but um, he should be a quality offensive lineman for them. If they have five quality offensive linemen, and there's no no really no excuses for Zach Wilson this year. So certainly an upgrade from Chuma Adaga and you know rookie Max Mitchell, who were potentially being going to be the guys that were in there. Uh, you mentioned the second year, and I wonder if 
obviously you're trying to sign the guy and maybe that was part of the demand. But from a Jets perspective, I mean, depending on how this injury goes with Mekhi Becton, maybe it would be good to at least have that option, right, for for a second year, depending on what the money is. It, it might not be the worst thing um, to, to have that one last offensive lineman, uh, a potential for it, at least going into next year. Um, you said it. He's probably not going to play at a Pro Bowl level. Um, but how big, in your mind, would the drop-off have been from Becton to those other guys? Yeah, I mean, pretty big. I mean, we've seen him practice. Connor McDermott's hurt right now. He's an ankle injury, but it was him and Chuma Idaga who were getting all the reps. Um, and they have had a rough training camp. I, I think a lot of a lot of my tweets about how Zach, it seems like Zach Wilson's getting pressured every play was coming from the outside. Um, George Fant at left tackle uh, is not completely healed yet from his knee, so he's been working his way back. So you've had some issues at tackle where it's clear the backups are just a really big drop off. I mean, it, that's going to be the case. Most of the time your starting offensive linemen are going to be a lot better than the backups. And there's a reason why usually if a guy's good enough to start, he's probably starting somewhere, but um, you know, they, they were considering the possibility of Max Mitchell. They drafted Max Mitchell to be a developmental guy that doesn't have to play for a couple years. And there was a possibility that he might, and now maybe he's the third or the fourth tackle and you feel a little better. You can, you know, figure out between McDermott and Idaga and, and Max Mitchell, who's the best suited to play if one of the other guys go down. But yeah, you, you feel a lot better about this. The question now is just, um is Dwayne Dwayne Brown it's not that hard of a name to say I don't know why I struggled there um is he going to play left tackle or is he going to move to right tackle for the first time in his career George Fan just had a great year at left tackle he struggled at right tackle before that so that that's like a part of the the decision I saw some of the reporting was that um they haven't made a decision necessarily yet I'd be surprised if Dwayne Brown played right tackle at 37 years old and in his 15th season for the first time um but I don't know I mean that's going to be something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks I would say yeah, and I, I guess it's good that at least it's now and you have the rest of to training camp to to figure it out. How about the this offensive scheme from an offensive line standpoint? Do you feel like Brown fits? I mean, out regardless of left tackle versus right tackle, just the overall offensive scheme, how does it fit what he's done in the past? Yeah, um, my impression is that he's been in zone blocking schemes before. He, I know Robert Sala and, and the coaching staff has some ties to him from when uh, Sala was – uh, with, I forget where he mentioned that they knew each other from, but there's a few people that have ties to him in their organization. I think I don't think they would have brought him in if they thought he couldn't fit into this scheme. So I'm not necessarily worried about that part as much as like just seeing what you know. As he gets older, he's going to lose some of his skills, and I know he had a decent year last year, but he's 37. He's going to be going on 38, and um, can he can he last all 16 games? I know he did the last two years, but I don't know. He, he's older, and you've seen guys play until they were old, like Jason Peters and Andrew Whitworth and th- things like that. So. Um, yeah, I, I think he fits fine scheme-wise. It, it's more just a matter of where he's playing. If he's at right tackle, then I, maybe it, I don't know if you feel as good about it necessarily. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's let's move on to Becton. Um, the real, not the reason for this, since they were already talking to him, but the reason it went from like I think, as Robert Sala put it, a luxury move to add Dwayne Brown necessity, to a, yeah. a necessity to desperation. Um, which is where we are here. And you have a story out on The Athletic today that everybody should check out. Um, it goes beyond just Mekhi Becton's hurt, and that's a real bummer for him. And, you know, what does it mean for the Jets? It gets gets a lot beyond that, talking to his high school coach, talking to former teammates. Um, reading the story, I got the impression, Zach, that you were already working on a Mekhi Becton story before the injury and it was going to be a featurey thing. Is, is that fair to say, or did you pull this together in the last few no. days? No, that's, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's kind of like a, you know, inside baseball thing. Like I, I'd been working on a story on Mekhi for like a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, I was trying to set up like a one-on-one to sit down with him so I can actually like, you know, just get some insight from him and everything he went through last year and, and his excitement, you know, he's a, he's a father now. He just, he had a son three, like a few months ago. Um, and it's clear that that like has changed his perspective a bit. Um, and so I had all these interviews and I had a few others I was like pursuing and then, then he gets hurt, which was, is always a risk, especially with a guy like that. Um, and you just like, you just pray that the guy you're planning to write on doesn't get hurt during the preseason. Um, I, I was, I mean, he was unluckier than me, obviously, but, um, uh, you know, I, yeah. So, but the irony, or I don't know what the right word is like I, a lot of the stuff I talked about, like still applied because a lot of it was about how hard of a time he had last year and how, you know, he felt isolated and. And, you know, he had a really hard time with it and um, everybody could tell he wasn't really himself. And there's, all, you know, all the stuff last year it was a very weird situation where they kept saying he was coming back soon and then he wasn't. And then he put on weight and then there was the stuff in the spring and then he shows up to that press conference in the big bus shirt. Um, and th- there's just all these things that happen. And that was all the stuff I talked about with all the people I interviewed. And so I, I wound up being able to apply that still to the story. So I, I really wanted to still, like, give perspective on, like, how he handled it last time and why it's going to be so hard for him this time. And, you know, maybe it's a little different this time. He has a kid now when he goes home. Um, there's a lot, one, one thing that always stuck to, whenever I do these kind of stories, like NFL players are always talking about when they're injured, they don't really feel like part of the team. Like maybe some organizations try to make them part of it. Um, but they're, you know, you're rehabbing, you're not going to a lot of the road games most of the time and you're not out there for practice and you're not, maybe you're in some of the meetings and stuff like that. And he's 22 years old. Um, a part of the story is he came from like, what his coach described as like a pretty small town and he had a you know tight-knit group, group of friends and they stay close throughout even into college and then he gets to the nfl he's off on his own and then he gets hurt last year and he's more on his own and then he goes on twitter which he goes on he's reading all the tweets that are about him um he's made that pretty clear and so he's reading all these people calling him you know fat and lazy and bust and all the stuff it's been going on and on and on and then he he comes back in in july um in the best shape of his life or close to it at least he has a great smile on his face. He's laughing. He's having a great time with fans. There's, there's praise. He's looking good in practice. He was looking really good. Um, and he, it felt like he had like he was like angry and ready to show people that you know he is whoever they thought he was. And and then this happens, and it's going to be kind of back to square one. And you, you feel you just feel bad for the kid because I think he, people forget how young he is. Like 22 years old, um, going through this and going through all the attention he gets in New York and all that stuff. Like 
it's a really tough spot to be in, and I don't envy what he has to go through this next year. I, he's probably better prepared to handle it, but he still is a kid, so you don't know how he's going to handle it, and it, it's tough. And you know, keeping the weight off at that size is hard. And he's going to be on not he's not going to be walking around and exercising a lot. And even if he wanted to, you know, diet, it's it's going to be hard to work anything off. So you know, he's probably going to put the weight back on again. He has to work it back off again, and it's like a real mental thing he's going to have to battle. And um, it's a long road ahead and, you know, you don't know what his future is with the Jets anymore, but you just hope that he can come back in a year from now and play football. Yeah, I feel like getting the weight off, getting in shape when the season is two months away is a lot different than like keeping it off when you're hoping to be back in a year, maybe with the Jets and all of that. It just makes it so hard. And uh, as a father of an 11 month old, I will say it's really hard to exercise when you have a baby. Now, granted. <laughs> It's hard to exercise anyway, in my opinion, (laughs) to get yourself to do it. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, The, um, some of the things that stood out in the story, I thought like his former teammates saying when he saw that picture on Twitter of him arriving at training camp, he couldn't believe how good he looked. It was the best he had ever looked. And the t-shirt creator who like sent him a shirt that he was sure would be too small. And it ended up fitting with extra room. And he was like, Oh wow, he's in great shape. Um, Just really good insight from like, people you don't expect to hear from necessarily in a story. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, you can join The Athletic right now and check it out if you haven't. Theathletic.com slash can't wait for $1 a month for six months. Marissa, I got it out of the way early, so we don't have to do it later. Love it. <laughs> um, so there you go. Um, so I think we kind of covered that story as far as Becton goes. But but you said that the future, of course, with the Jets is unknown. I mean, yeah. gut feeling, what do you think a year from now, if he's healthy, how does this team now view Makai Becton coming off two lost seasons and nearing the end of a rookie contract? You know, it's, there's a lot of a lot of unknown factors to consider. Like, is, you know, is Joe Douglas still the GM at this time next year? Is, you know, is is Dwayne Brown, does he have a great season? Does George Fant want to resign here? Like, there's if does Max Mitchell have to play this year and does he show something? Like, there, there's a lot of factors, but I – I, I mean, he's, I imagine he'll be with this team in training camp. Uh, maybe he'll be fighting for a roster spot. I don't know. They're going to have to make a decision on his fifth-year option in May, I believe, and I can't imagine they would exercise that for 2024, especially because it's guaranteed now. Um, so they'll wind up declining that, and he'll have even more to prove. I would think he'll be in training camp next year. Whether he has a starting spot or not is going to be a question whether he's physically ready to play. Like, there's all factors. I, I My gut still says he'll be on the team next year, but, again, there's just, like, so many – other things and if he wants to be back here and, and all that stuff. So it's it, that, you know, it's, I'm going to keep trying to keep my eye on that as, as the year goes on, because people are going to stop thinking about him as the months go by. Now that you kind of know he's not playing as opposed to last year, where I felt like he was kind of a topic for this team all year. Um, but yeah, it's That's going to, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Um, once we get to the off season. Yeah. I mean, last year, just thinking back, it was almost, it was remarkable how much we probably talked about, him on this podcast, considering he didn't play all season, but he's a constant conversation. Um, And I I agree. I think it's going to be a little different this year because it's just been, it's been so long since people saw him play in a game and it's going to be so long. Um, All right. So offensive line, of course, the biggest thing is protecting Zach Wilson. um, The other guy that we always have to talk about on this (laughs) podcast. So with Dwayne Brown, you know, obviously no excuses for Zach Wilson, at this point, it should be at least a solid line in front of him. Um, it was an interesting week, though, right? Like Tuesday, the first day without Becton, uh, it was a rough day for Zach as far as pressure, right? Getting sacked yeah. all day. But then Wednesday was a was a little better, and 
he kind of settled in throwing the ball again with a new kind of mixed around offensive line and had a really good practice, which goes to the his training camp in general, which just feels like, is this fair to say it's just kind of been inconsistent, great at times, not so great at other times? Yeah, I, I think the last like five days, have, he's had like five good practices in a row. Yeah. There, there was there was that practice with all the pressure. I, he probably would have been sacked like eight times. So he was still like, because I tracked the throws, he still wound up being like nine of 11 or something like that. But he probably wouldn't have been if he was on the ground all day in a real game. So like eight times to get sacked. Um, like this defensive line, I think is going to be good, but I don't know if it's going to be that good. So that was concerning because what they've been doing is they've been switching Idaga um, from right tackle to left tackle and plugging in Max Mitchell at right tackle. And it was real bad uh, on Tuesday for sure. But yeah, the way, what I've been saying with Zach Wilson is I don't think he's necessarily had like any like wow, amazing practices. I don't think he's had any like really bad practices. I think it's mostly been somewhere in the middle, which is a good thing for sure. Um, I've been trying to, you know, I, I'm coming at, at it for, with fresh eyes compared to everybody else in the beat and even the fan base because I haven't really watched that much of Zach before I joined this beat. Um, to my eyes, I, I can see the talent. Like he, he makes some throws that are really impressive. Uh, he, he's really fast. He can move. He has great arm strength. He, he can fit balls into tight windows. I think he struggles a little more when he's getting pressured, which you know, you hope is not an issue with Dwayne Brown coming in, but I've been encouraged and I'm, I'm curious to see how he looks in his series or two tomorrow. Um, and then once they do the joint practices with the Falcons, I think that's kind of, we'll have a better feel for what kind of, if he's ready to like take the next step. You saying that you have fresh eyes on this brings up a, a good point. Um, Cause you've been covering the giants the last couple of years yeah. and obviously Daniel Jones over there, similar thing where last year was year two, just when you see when you watch Daniel Jones for a couple of years, now you see Zach Wilson. Um, they're not the same quarterback, but just compare the two guys as far as like around the field with teammates and what what sort of things you see. Yeah, it's, it's an, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to Dan Duggan uh, yesterday who covered the Giants for us um, about that this Giants team looks so bad that I wonder if like I'm I'm almost like coming at it with a weird bias because I'm watching Jets practice. I'm like, this seems like a really good football team. Like they have good <laughs> players on at every position. I'm like, I'm like, is it because I just been watching the Giants all this time? Or Jets fans but... are like loving you right now. <laughs> like you know how to like warm their hearts right there. That line. Talk, talk bad Sold. about the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like the Wilson and Jones, like I always thought Jones honestly had the talent. Like you could see it, but. Um, I think he makes way more mistakes than Zach Wilson does is the thing that sticks out to me. I think Zach still like makes the wrong read sometimes or, you know, he, he you know, just kind of throws a ball in a, in a spot where he decided he was going to throw it anyway. And then um, bad things happen. But I think he's much better at improvising. I think Daniel Jones struggles. He, he like can't, can't really go to a second read. I think a lot of the time it has been his problem. So I, I, I'd say just on first glance that Zach Wilson has more talent. Daniel Jones is bigger and, you know, he's pretty athletic for his size. So I think that's interesting it doesn't sound like he's at a very good camp either but um yeah just if i if i'm comparing the two i would take zach wilson over daniel jones not even really hesitating about it either that's what i was hoping you would say we're yeah. kinda, you know feeding <laughs> feeding the fan base a, a little bit here um we mentioned mckay becton obviously and that th brings you back to the 2020 draft which has turned out to not be mm, yeah. not so good for joe douglas so Let's move things forward, though, to the 2022 draft, which needs to be great for Joe Douglas and check in yeah. on some of these guys and and the training camp they've had so far in your mind. We'll start at the top and work our way down. Uh, Sauce Gardner seems like, by all accounts, has lived up to the hype, right? Like he's he's 
going to be the guy that was worth that pick to be able to shut people down on the outside. Yeah, honestly, he's he's been extremely impressive. Um, cornerbacks are are bound to get beat in, in camp. Like a lot, there's some drills where the off, it favors the offense and stuff like that. I, I legitimately don't think I've seen him get beat. Like I, there's been uh, especially when he goes one on one. Like he, he, especially against a guy like Garrett Wilson, who maybe doesn't have like the veteran savvy to get by him. Like there's been many plays like where it's down the field. It's Sauce Gardner versus Garrett Wilson, or Sauce Gardner versus Corey Davis or Elijah Moore, and it's just them two and. Zach Wilson tries to throw it to the guy in the near the end zone and sauce Garner's not giving them, him any space. Like he, he just completely like shutting out any possibility of the ball getting to the receiver without, you know, any pass interference or anything. And it, he, he's honestly been very impressive. I mean, it, again, it's, it's, it's training camp and he's going against the jets every day. So he's probably going to be targeted a lot. Cause I think DJ Reed is quite good on the other side and he's a rookie. So I think t- people are going to go after him and I'm curious to see how he handles it. But everything has impressed me with him. But physically, I've never seen a guy that looks like him. He has long arms and long legs. Um, he's athletic. He's got he's got the swagger and the confidence. He, he was talking about how he, he'll trash talk um, offensive linemen sometimes even. <laughs> he's like, even though they're like twice my size and can probably <laughs> destroy him. <laughs> it was funny. There's a reporter that asked him because uh, the topic of the day was his trash talk, I guess, because that's kind of what comes with, with uh, the territory for a rookie. He's willing to do that. And one of the reporters is like, what would you say to me if uh, – you're trash talking me. And he's like, I wouldn't trash talk you because I would just expect to dominate you. So, <laughs> yeah. So wow. it's, he scares himself with like such a unique swagger. He's, he's smart. He's like well-spoken and I've, I've been extremely impressed. And what, I, I'm curious to see how he looks when we see him again, you know, Friday and they're not going to be met that many series, but if he's covering a guy like AJ Brown, it'll be fun to see him go against him. Yeah, we saw the yeah. swagger right from draft day with the sauce necklace and, yeah. and everything he brought. He's got the like, um, shiny uh, grills in his teeth, too. Right. It's pretty cool, though, just what you said. Like, they may get, attack him because DJ yeah. Reed's good on the other side. Like, yeah. thinking back a year ago on this team. I know, yeah. yeah. You'd be like, oh, he, this guy was the number five pick in the draft. No one's going to throw looking, at him. I remember looking at their cornerback room going into the year last year and thinking, like, how could they possibly go into the, the year with this group? And then... I, like I, I think they're they're four starters. If you look at Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead, and then probably Lamarcus Joyner. Like I can't imagine there are that many secondaries that are like on paper better than that group. So I mean, it's and a the far story cry always was yeah yeah yeah. The story always was like, well, we just got to get to the quarter to the quarterback, and it won't worry about that. But then Carl Lawson went down before the season started, and yeah, that kind of doomed the defense. I think a year ago. Yeah. All right, you mentioned Garrett Wilson, um, mini camp. I know. It was kind of a big learning curve for him, as it is with a lot of receivers. But, you know, the learning curve caught up with him a little bit in minicamp. Um, I know you weren't there at that point. You were still on the Giants beat. But from what you've seen in training camp, is he kind of figuring it out as a rookie receiver slowly? Yeah, I think he's definitely made progress in that. I, I Like, I don't think you should expect him to come out like gangbusters, maybe like a Justin Jefferson. But talent-wise, I, I think his ceiling is the highest of their receiver room. He He's he's not that tall. He's like six foot, six one, but his athleticism is just like so unreal that he can he can make catches out of guy you wouldn't expect maybe necessarily for a guy his size. And so I I think the ceiling is extremely high. He's had some drops, um, including the other day. Like I said, he struggled against guys like Sauce Gardner, um, but the talent is clearly there. I think he's going to play a role right away, and I, I'm I'm kind of excited to see how they use him as a rookie because he's a unique receiver and um, he kind of brings something to the table that the other guys don't that they have. Yeah, it's it's looking like a strength, which is pretty cool on this team because that's another position yeah. that's certainly been weak over time. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, he's the one guy that I feel like we've just heard less about compared to some of the other rookies. 
uh, maybe because he's been lost in the shuffle. But what have your first impressions been of him? Yeah, you know, he it's funny. You know, he's had some he's had a couple practices where he's gotten some pressure and stuff. He, he's been pretty quiet generally. Um, and anytime you ask Robert Sala about him, he's always like tempering expectations. He's always like, yeah, well, I want to see him against uh, another team. I want to he, he really needs to work on his run stopping. He's he has a long, long way to go. Like it's they, it's pretty clear they view him as maybe more of a project than I would have expected because he was kind of a veteran guy college wise coming out. And I think the ex- expectation would be that he could contribute right away. I, I would guess that he's pretty low in the rotation pass rusher wise to start out the year, like guys like Jacob Martin and Bryce Huff ahead of him. Um, maybe just he's like a pass rush specialist to start out. But yeah, I think his is more of a little long term of a projection than a this season one, which might come as a surprise and, you know, maybe disappointing because you want your first round picks to be able to play. But um, yeah, I wouldn't expect him to make a huge impact right away, I would say. At least he's the third first round pick. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The team that, They're that in the rare situation things. where they can say that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If Sauce and Garrett are, are performing on both sides of the ball, then like, okay, we'll wait on Jermaine Johnson. Uh, and then there's one more big weapon, obviously. Um, we'll cut it off as far as the rookies go with with Brees Hall. But he's another guy where they, they, had, a, um, they had a good running back, they thought, last year. Um, and then they add a guy who should be number 1A on this team. Uh, what, is he, what has stood out about him to you in camp? Yeah, honestly, I... Outside of Sauce, like in terms of like the rookies and even like the newcomers, he's been extremely impressive to me. He's one that I'm, I'm trying to wait until I see him running and where he can get tackled to the ground and stuff like that. But, you know, he's big. He's like six foot, six one, two twenty, and he moves really quick. He hits the holes hard. He seems to have like good chemistry with the offensive line, which is like a underrated attribute for a running back because uh, he's like hitting the holes they're giving him. And he's been pretty good as a pass catcher, too. And I, I think him and Michael Carter are a good pairing. Um, but I, I don't see a way that he's not the, the number one running back pretty quickly. And um, I, I, I keep saying this. I, I legitimately think his ceiling is offensive rookie of the year. Like, that's how good I think he could be. Yeah. I don't know if he'd get that or if he'll get the touches to get that or all that. But, like, that, that's the ceiling I see for him. Well, and LaFleur likes to use the running backs out of the backfield, too. Like, exactly, yeah. you know, obviously you see that with the San Francisco offense as well. So it'd be awesome if he, he becomes that kind of all-purpose back mixed with these new receivers. It, it's definitely – Exciting to look at the offense in that sense. All right, big picture stuff before we move on to Friday night. We talked about all these rookies who, for the most part, have looked pretty good. Um, has there been a player that's kind of stood out to you as just kind of, wow, you know, I thought we, not a rookie, but just overall on this team that's kind of put in a disappointing training camp so far? A disappointing training camp, so the opposite yeah. direction. Um, we've been too positive so far on the podcast. Yeah, I know. So turn things the other I've been thinking about that when I talk about the Jets. I keep having all these positive <laughs> things. I'm like, are, are they going to be really good? Like, I don't know. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, we've we already talked about too many Daga and Connor yeah. McDermott. They've been pretty rough. Um, let's see. I would say Denzel Mims. He's a guy that the fan base is obsessed with, obviously. And certainly this podcast as well. I don't. I don't want to <laughs> speak negatively uh, about him in front of everybody, but. It's not even that he's had a bad camp, just as much as he hasn't really like just stood out um, to me. Like he's made some plays. He, he'll, he just had his first catch from Zach Wilson the other day. Most of his targets have come from Joe Flacco and Mike Mike White. Um, and he's again, and the coaches keep talking him up. Uh, and I, I don't know. I it just I don't see a path to him being on this team necessarily. Like I I don't know if they'll cut him. I think they'll maybe try and trade him. But there's four receivers ahead of him for sure. And then Jeff Smith has been clearly better than him. So if you're coming as a six receiver who doesn't really contribute on special teams, like 
it's just a it's tough sledding for him. And um, so that, that's that's one where um, I was I was hoping to like see a lot. I mean, the preseason will be big for him because he'll get reps in the preseason. And if he can make some plays and maybe he works his way past Jeff Smith and he can be a fifth receiver or, you know, build up some value to get traded elsewhere. He, he came out and had a press conference with us where he said he still views himself as a starter and he's expressed his frustration. And Robert Sala said he's fine with the fact that he's expressed that he, you would want him to do that. And they're saying all the right things about him. And, you know, he's seems to be working hard, but I, I just don't see a path to him really playing for this team. Yeah. And the, the thing that stands out to me is like you, you said it, he's, he said those things about being a starter. He's worked real hard this summer, but I feel like last summer, maybe, well, granted it's, it's maybe not fair to say that because he was, he was not a hundred percent, but we've gotten the impression in his first couple of years with the jets that he wasn't always working as hard as he could, as far as the coaching staff was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think work ethic had been a, a problem for him uh, in the past. Um, and he, he's kind of like, it's funny. He came in with Becton um, yeah. and they became close. Like I one, one day after practice, I saw Makai walking off the field with his arm around Denzel's shoulders. And it just felt like fitting that those two guys became close considering like, no, I don't know if there's two players other than Zach Wilson that have been talked about more since 2020 than those two guys. Um, and I asked Denzel Mims about that. He said, he's that's my brother. He's been close since we first got in. And um, they, they both dealt with like the, there's like, two extremes with jets it's always like extremes with the jets fan base i've noticed and there's extremes that are like obsessed with denzel mims if you tweet anything positive about him it's like they go crazy and on the flip side um there are a lot of people who question whether he can ever be anything for them so um i don't know it's interesting i think the talent's there like he's very he's like a six foot four guy who runs like a four three like they don't really make guys like that so he'll he'll have a a role somewhere if the jets don't keep him i i'm just curious to see how they make that decision because are you gonna just keep him on the roster and not play him like are they would they cut him? Like, is he too good to cut? Like, I, it's just, that's one of the more fascinating roster decisions coming, I think. It would be interesting to see in a different offense that fit his skill set better if he could go somewhere else and find success. And you know, if that happens, the Jets fans will gonna... love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love and hate at the same time. Um, cool. All right. Well, we did the negative. Who, has anybody stood out to you? I guess Q's had a great summer so far, right? But who stood out to you uh, from the veterans this summer as, a guy that's ready to maybe take that next step. Yeah. The one I keep saying recently, just because he stood out in particular recently, is Tyler Conklin at tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, they just signed him this offseason, So he's not like a returner, but um, you know, another, like, cause I'm, I'm in the process of learning like jets history, recent and long. Um, and I was talking to somebody about how I'm like early in camp. I was like, it seems like Conklin and Uzama haven't made like a lot of big plays. They're just kind of like doing their job. I'm like, I don't get all the hype. And that person was like, you haven't really seen what their tight end situation in recent years because yeah. um, it, it's been pretty terrible. So, uh, but yeah, Conklin in the last like week, he's been like Zach Wilson's top target. He had like eight targets the other day during the scrimmage. He was getting targeted a lot. He's way more athletic than I expected. seems like he's their best tight end. And they need a good tight end for Zach Wilson, like that safety valve. And so he, he's really impressed me. I think he's been one of their best offensive players. Um, he's, he's, and then on, on defense, another, uh, another new guy is a, uh, Jordan Whitehead. Um, I think he kind of flew under the radar league wide. The Bucks kind of let him go. I, he's he makes he seems to be around the ball every every practice. I think he's a leader of this defense already, um, and he can wind up being one of Joe Douglas's better moves that he's made. So I, I think those are two guys in particular that have stuck out to me. I would say. Yeah, he's the classic guy that Joe got on Joe's terms, and I will see how he fits. Yeah. All right, let's look ahead to Friday uh, before we wrap things up. And yeah, I guess first question is. 
how much do the starters that we really want to see play play? Like is Zach Wilson in for a series or two? Um, starting defense in for a series or two? How do you see them playing it? Yeah, Salah's been pretty consistently saying that it'll be like a series or two. So it'll amount to about a quarter, I would say, for the starters. I'm curious to see like what that means for like, you know, a guy like a Brees Hall or even like a Sauce Gardner or, or you know, Bryce Hall, like guys like that who are like maybe not locked into starting roles, but uh, could use the reps at the same time. So I'm curious if it applies like in the same way to them. But yeah, I mean, the, the main thing is like it's going to be great to see them going against somebody else. But you, you want to get through the game without any significant injuries. I mean, they they've been lucky throughout camp besides Makai Becton. But in a way, you could argue that was just like a result of his previous injury and stuff. So I don't even know if you really count that. They haven't really had any serious ones. DJ Reed dealing with a hamstring thing. I don't think he'll play. Um, but you you want to get out of this healthy and and you know get to evaluate some of these guys that you know uh, going against another team and especially the guys on the bubble and things like that and the offensive line and the backup offensive line and things like that. So that, that's what I'm looking at. So specifically position wise, <laughs> there's the kicker battle. We can always get into that. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, sure. We'll, that I know. Yeah. I know. Salah said this week to expect us to kick more field goals. Yeah, and he, not he go asked. He, he <laughs> asked fans not to get mad at him if he doesn't go for it on fourth down because they they want to figure out what they're doing at kicker. <laughs> I mean, they always want to figure out what they're doing at kicker, and and it never seems to to quite get there. But so that's one thing. But um, you know, you mentioned guys on the fringe of the uh, the roster. Who who are a couple guys that this matters the most to right now as far as the the first game of the preseason? Yeah, um, some guys that it matters to. I think at running back you have a battle for like the third third and fourth running back spot with like Tevin Coleman. Ty Johnson's hurt. They have an undrafted rookie, Zonovan Knight. Well, Michael P. Ryan is still around, so I think all those guys are going to get a lot of reps and they're kind of fighting for a roster spot um, on the defensive line. Jabari Zuniga has made some sacks in camp. He's a guy they drafted pretty early a couple years ago. Uh, they're pretty deep there, so it's going to be hard for him to make the team. So this is kind of his shot, especially with Vinny Curry out. Um, I'm trying to think. That's a safety. Uh, Will Parks and Ashton Davis, I would say, are probably fighting for like the fourth safety spot. Uh, Will Parks has been more noticeable in camp. He's made a couple interceptions. I haven't noticed Ashton at all. That's another one of those 2020 picks that has been kind of a disaster. Um, I think the staff likes him, but he just really hasn't really shown anything when he's been on the field. So um, I think those are the guys that are like fighting for either roster spots or starting jobs or whatever it is. But those are some of the ones that I, I, I think of. All right. It's going to be really interesting. Obviously, next week we'll talk about what we saw in this game and look at it the next one. But Marissa has gotten some fun questions from social cool. also from the chat for you, Zach. So go ahead, Marissa. OK, this might be the most pressing question we got from John B. Zach. How do you feel about the phrase iron sharpens iron? You're going to so, be judged for this question. So think, well, think it, what you want to say. I, I, I know it's a thing just because I've seen Connor both text and tweet about it so often. Um, funnily enough, because everybody was getting so riled up about it, I, I tried finding like an actual welder um, to <laughs> explain if that like is what actually happens. I couldn't get anyone to get back to me, unfortunately. That That's awesome. Work. This is yeah. the kind of coverage you get. At I the know. I'm, I'm going to keep trying for that. Cause I, I just, I just want to be like, does that make sense to you when they say that? <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's a, it's an, it's a cliche and it gets said way too often, but there's so many cliches in football that I'm tired of hearing. So that's not the only one. That's awesome. Okay. This question is from Twitter and this sounds like it is from a old friend of yours. Uh, this is a beat reporter for the Eagles, um, or, or the NFL lead NFL reporter for pro football network. Mike K oh, yeah. says, 
Um, how has your life changed when you finally watched the film Tombstone? <laughs> so you need to explain this to us because if we're yeah, getting yeah. questions well, on so Twitter. I, I mean, I've, I'm like a movie buff and I've, I've seen like most of the important movies, um, but I never saw Tombstone. And Mike, we both covered the Eagles together at NJ.com. And I'll, pretty much out of spite because I just try to, you know, poke him whenever I can. I just refused to watch it forever and it made him angry because it's like his favorite movie of all time. Um, and so I just kept on refusing to watch it for literally years and it would and it, to the point where it like i would say like i watched some obscure thing he's like but you can't watch tombstone <laughs> um and then he we like had a bet about something or he like did something for me and i'm like fine i'll watch it and then wound up being a good movie obviously but i wouldn't say it changed my life though it was just, you know great movie I've seen, though it I've is seen, i've seen movie. better movies yeah, yeah it is good that being said speaking of movies um, one thing that doesn't change from Connor to you is a love of Marvel. the Marvel movies, right? You oh, yeah. also rank them. I yeah, I need to. I'll, I'll do my updated rankings. Maybe I can uh, bring that on the show the next episode or something. <laughs> I'm sure people want to hear that. But uh, yeah, I'll oh, we'll say Thor Ragnarok. Thor oh. Ragnarok is probably my favorite one. I'll say that. Okay, we'll definitely lead with it whenever you have the list. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Exactly. People want to hear non-football stuff for 20 minutes. I hear. <laughs> uh, Marissa, anything else? Um, no, pretty much. You covered everything, Zach. Ex excellent first pod. I mean, oh, we hit on you. pretty much everything. So, By the way, I'm sorry I was on time, everybody. Everyone was telling me I needed it to be 20 minutes late or whatever. Well, um, I was late, so at least we yeah, started. Yeah, was a late one, late. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Zach was actually on at like 1.40. He was ready. He was ready for his first Can't Wait podcast. Fresh so. off the Dwayne Brown news, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. Let's, Let's do go. it. Yeah. I haven't eaten lunch yet, though. I, I, I told you before the pod, I was literally walking in the heat. In my head, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get the sandwich. I'm going to go back to my apartment, maybe jump in the shower real quick. And then it started getting real close. And then the Dwayne Brown thing happens. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not eating. So I, yeah. I made sure I was here on time. I don't know if I'll be like that every week, but for now I, I did. I, I think the Jets will keep you on your toes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Like that. Yeah, I think I think that there's more to come with that. But yeah. All right. This has been a lot of fun. Excited to be back, Zach. Excited for you to be part of the podcast. Uh, we're going to be once a week throughout training camp. And then once the season gets here, as usual, we'll go back to twice a week with the, the game recap and then the kind of look ahead or whatever else is going on with the Jets episode midweek. So we are excited. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't yet. Uh, we continue to grow that channel um, and check out the podcast. Tell your friends. Um, and if you have friends that didn't like Connor, tell them to come back. <laughs> I'll make fun of Connor if that helps. <laughs> All right. This has been Poor a lot Connor. of fun. Uh, we will be, we'll talk to everybody again next week.